the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 48 for April 12th, 2006. And this, as John and I promised on our uh, last regularly scheduled show, the number 47, this is a show where we had the opportunity to interview a fellow named Ray Zeiss from Vertex Zero. And Ray has had a long and varied history in the cable modem arena and really was able to add quite a bit of value to us uh, in terms of his knowledge and experience there. And we wanted to share all of it with you. Unfortunately, it was just too long. It's about, a, I don't know, almost 10 minute interview. And it just, we couldn't figure out the right way to just insert it into one of our shows normally. So we figured, hey, why, why, why do we have to do that? We'll just insert it into the feed and there you go. So this, without further ado, this is the interview I did with Ray last week. So the big question is, which is faster, DSL or cable? And of course, this, this all stems from the, the myth, or is it a myth, that DSL is a direct signal and cable is a shared signal and therefore DSL is better. That, that seems to be this myth that's out there. Where, where did it come from? Is it true? Where are we with this? Well, I, I mean, it's definitely, um, I guess a lot of people have heard about the seven layers of the OSI model. But there's really 10 layers okay. to the OSI model. Uh, and the top three layers are uh, money, politics, and religion. <laughs> and uh, so that's where that debate really is kind of founded. Um, it, it's really the shared media versus direct is an interesting debate. But uh, back in the old days, you know, there was token ring and Ethernet in the early 1990s. And that's right. A four, a four megabit token ring actually could outperform a 10 megabit Ethernet because the way the resource was allocated really? with the token. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So IBM didn't even move to a 16 megabit token ring for a long time right. because the four megabit was good enough. Okay. So the same is true with in the cable modem space, the head end is responsible for allocating the bandwidth. Right. And so there's a central, you know, repository or source of bandwidth allocation. What's interesting is that both cable and DSL, after you get off the last mile, which is either the DSL or the, the coax, you right. still are going to a, a broadband router of some sort, and and that's going to be oversubscribed anyway. So um, in the future, when we run fiber to the home, you're still going to have a broadband router that's going to be connected to the internet that's going to be your bottleneck. Right. So, so the, the cable company or the DSLs piped out to the rest of the world is is really the, the, the bottleneck we need to worry about. Well, it's one of the bottlenecks. I, I guess I'm just trying to say that the, the debate of cable versus DSL just isn't as simple as one or the other. Okay. You have It's actually based on your service provider. And then your service provider has a peering agreement with other service providers. And I don't know if you remember, but about a year ago, there was a big uh, debate between level three and code and they were having an argument about who was how their peering arrangement was being overly used in one direction and not the other. And they wanted <laughs> level three wanted Cogent to pay. And what it amounted to was uh, they turned off the connection. And then as a result, you know, several of Time Warner's cities were not able to get to half the internet because they couldn't get across that peering connection. Oh, really? So, yeah, so there was a point last year for like a day where I could I couldn't get to Yahoo, but I could get to some stuff on the East Coast. You know, I um, I remember this now. Yeah, I had I had no idea that it was that it was politics essentially. So yeah, so that's one of those politics things. Yeah. I, I mean, money actually is what it boils down to. Is doesn't that, everything? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> but but on a technical basis, yeah. I mean. Uh, 
from one perspective, cable is better in the sense that if you're doing an interactive like web browsing, you would rather have um, more bandwidth for a short period of time. Then you take time away and you and you read the web page and you click on something and get a download. Sure. And that type of interactive mode, um, cable can actually provide about 30 megabits downstream. Okay. They just they they clock it. Sure, uh, sure. They they cut it back. So uh, a six megahertz cable channel is what they use. So that's the si- same size as a TV station. Okay. For various reasons, and and the way they design the cable TV network, they put a downstream fits inside of a, a TV channel. Okay. And in okay. that case, um, you're you could get thirty meg potentially down to the cable modem, but they they cut it back to I get reliably about four and a half meg at my okay. house. Okay. The ups upstream is where the really the confined resource is, is uh, the upstream channel that's available in the architecture of the cable system um, limits the amount of data that can be transmitted upstream. And it's, that is a shared resource. So you have this ah. maybe 10 or so channels worth of bandwidth that are available and all kinds of crazy things happen. CB radios, for example, are in yeah. that space. Really? Um, yeah, 27 megahertz. So, so interference from from radios, from all kinds of things. Your refrigerator that that's very susceptible. That range in the upstream is very susceptible to noise. Oh, okay. uh, whereas DSL is down in like the less than one megahertz range, I think. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, it's a little bit easier for them to modulate the signal, uh, but they still have to overcome their own impediments. And, and both of them are susceptible to um, basically the cable as the day heats up and it's hanging out on a yep. telephone pole. It changes lengths dramatically and that changes the characteristics of the of the signal throughout the day and and uh, so that's something they have to overcome too yeah that that makes sense okay so it it it, it, i had made an assumption on a show uh i guess about two weeks ago that the reason we saw less upstream on the cable uh on on cable modems you know the reason the, the it was asynchronous and the upstream was so much less than than the downstream typically is is because they've actually got the infrastructure isn't set up to have nearly the bandwidth going up that it is coming down and and that's basically what you just said is that right yeah it's it's still though more than um and I guess it's not more than DSL when you take an aggregate across, okay. let's say, a thousand people are served by a single DSLAM, and each of those thousand people have their own unique upstream, uh, versus a thousand people being so served by one fiber node in a in a coax system. Um, a fiber node is the device that you know converts the fiber signal to to coax for distribution in the last mile of the neighborhood. Let's yeah. say, yeah. Um, and, and depending on the architecture, how they implement, it's possible to give each neighborhood its own set of 50 megahertz of upstream okay uh, it's expensive okay. if they do that and they, yeah. they don't uh they don't necessarily choose to do that so you could be sharing depending on who your service provider is you could be sharing the upstream with the entire city uh or you could just be sharing with your neighborhood but that's that's an implementation choice that your service provider can make whereas uh. in, in dsl you are on a a twisted pair from your house to to the dslam or, or some point close to it okay um and you're you're not sharing at that point. Okay, so so th- there is some truth to the rumor or to the to the the myth, the belief that that cable is shared, DSL is not. But but you're saying that they can kind of dynamically reassign things on the cable side. Yeah, so yeah it's not an issue, yeah. or it, it well, shouldn't be an issue as long as they keep up with it. 
yeah, you're, you're shared, but they can limit how many people are you're sharing with and, and things like that. So it all depends on how they architect it. But, okay. you know, like I said, the real, the real situation is once you get past the last mile, now you're, you're thrown onto a network anyway with potentially tens of thousands of people right. uh, where you're contending for, you know, maybe a, a few gigabits worth of bandwidth. And then at some point you're peering to the internet with, you know, even some of the biggest, uh, some of the biggest providers may only have a gigabit or an OC12 yep. uh, connection. Yeah. So that's that's kind of your limiting factor. It's interesting. I had a friend though come over. He he lives in Japan right now, and uh, he came over to my house, and we got on my computer, and I was amazed at how fast the Japanese websites came up, and they really? were graphically intense. Yeah, and. It was. It just seemed to me that the the sites he was taking to me, take me to, like showing me around stuff around his neighborhood and all, um, in Tokyo. That stuff was coming back so much quicker than even you know my local news here in my hometown. Uh, so I think that maybe um, a lot of the delay that we're seeing is in the servers. Yeah, maybe well, that, not that even could the certainly network. be true. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. Fascinating. Well, Ray, yeah. I, I, I'd like to thank you. That this is this has been great info, and uh, my guess is we're going to have a whole slew of questions. So I, we may want to have you on again if uh, if you'll join us. So yeah, if you want to keep track of the questions and, and we can go over them, um, I'm sure there's probably other people that know a lot more about DSL, but uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I'd love to talk to you guys again. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Ray. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. And that about does it. That wraps up our interview with Ray Zeiss from Vertex Zero. If you do have any questions, of course, send them along like you would any other to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com or Skype them in to MacGeekGab. Or, of course, you can always phone them in to 206-666-GEEK, and that's 206-666-4335. Again, thanks, folks. Thanks for staying subscribed, and we'll see you on Monday for our regularly scheduled show number 49. Have a good one.